Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's good to be here this morning, and it's time for you to grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back, try to relax, and let's <laughs> chat about what is happening up in the stars above, because I'm almost breathless with all of the stuff that I could possibly share with you this morning. And as you can see, we also have the addition of our friends Pia and Colin to help us wade through the Pleiadian Earth calendar with the wisdom from Larkma and the Pleiadians that maybe you can, you guys will feel free to inject uh, as we're talking about some of these major things that are happening. So welcome to the both of you. How are you all doing this morning? Lovely to be here. We're really doing well. And thanks for asking. Colin, you're just smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm eager. I am eager to hear what you have to say. Um, we can certainly, as you, as you said, project some things into what's going on, but I'm really curious about what you're going to share with all of us. Oh gosh, so much. It's been like, well, you know, Mercury turned direct on Wednesday mm -hmm. and, uh, or was it yesterday? I mean, I'm so lost in time at the moment because so much is going on. I think it was on Wednesday and Mercury is my ruling planet. And I felt almost immediately like I was coming out of a shell. And mm -hmm. I have a feeling that also had to do with Mars having turned direct in Gemini as well and bringing more and more ability to speak to or um, verbalize what has been sort of hard to verbalize over the last mm -hmm. few months. I mean, we had Mars in retrograde since October 30th. Yeah. I mean, that was like almost a lifetime ago, it feels like, doesn't it? <laughs> so, um, and here we are today with early this morning at 12.30 uh, a.m. my time. So I'm not sure what that would be for you all, but uh, uh, it would be, what would that be for, it would probably be 8 a.m. for you guys or for universal time. Uh, 12.30 a.m. would be 10.30 in the morning here for us. Yeah, that's when the sun moved into Aquarius. So we're already starting the watershed of things that are coming up for uh, the weekend. I mean, it has been just one, you know, kind of smooth ride, but maybe not so smooth for some people. Uh, a friend of mine is a teacher and uh, or a teacher's aide or whatever they call, you know, the para person. And she said yesterday the kids were just going crazy. She said it has to be, it has to be because Mercury went direct. And I thought, you know, the the way she was describing what was going on, I felt it was more like Mars having gone direct last week. But you know, when a planet changes direction, it doesn't like just start moving forward. And it's technically not moving forward anyway. It just looks like it from our position on Earth. It kind of hangs at the same degree for a while. And I, I have a feeling that probably yesterday and maybe even the day before was the first time we were actually feeling energetically the movement of Mars trying to gather the speed to move on forward. And then couple that with Mercury also turning direct. It was the ability for all these kids then to put voice to the conflicts and confrontational stuff that they'd been feeling uh, from all of this changing energy. So I kind of love it that I have an in with, you know, kids, uh, because I think they are often the harbingers, right? Before we intellectualize you know what's happened the kids are already in the the flow of it whether that's because they're you know open to more or they're not they don't have as many filters to stop themselves from getting into that but i thought that was uh interesting it uh, is. yeah 
but you know, besides the sun moving into Aquarius early this morning, which changes up the energy, uh, we have a new moon following on its heels tomorrow morning, or actually it is tomorrow afternoon, my time, uh, 12.54 is um, here on the Pacific coast. And I think it's 8 p.m. at night then for the universal time uh, zone when the new moon occurs. And that new moon is also in Aquarius. And moon a super moon also, Janet? You know what? I didn't check. It might be. It could be. Super moon mm -hmm. also. So that's going to add even more intensity. Yeah, the super moons are um, very much more uh, tidal. They, they create more tidal flow on the planet. And you know what I've really noticed lately when we've had super moons, you know, I live on an island and it's in our rainy season right now. So we have the water table that's fairly high, but these super moons come along and they create coastal flood advisories. We've had more coastal flood advisories this year than I've ever seen. In fact, I'd never heard of a coastal flood advisory until this year. Now, part of that could be changing dynamics in the weather and all of that, but uh, it was interesting because these moons come along and then that tidal flow backs up the water. It can't go anywhere. So twice already this year, I've been flooded onto my island <laughs> where I can't get off. And my husband, who was at work already, couldn't get here. Um, but then the tide goes out, it changes, and then the water recedes. It's just so weird. Weird, dynamic things going on uh, with everything. So tomorrow then, of course, with the moon moving into Aquarian, energy we have a sun moon match on new uh, an injection of the new sort of a reinventive time for all of us and then we've also got on our sunday i'm not sure what day for you i think you said sunday too but the lunar new year the chinese new year the human design new year and the planet uranus moving direct so I feel like we're starting to see all of these green lights flipping on for us to start taking off. But I have a couple of things that I want to, to talk about because it occurred to me, it occurred to me that the human design year is always on the 22nd or so of January. And it's when the sun moves into the gate 41, which is a gate of imagination and creativity and fantasy even, right? It has a very sort of futuristic view. Um, and as we know that nothing is ever created without our imagination having first been able to see it's possible, right? We didn't go to the moon because there were all of these things that were telling us to go to the moon. We did because we had this imagination first that we could go to the moon or that we could fly rockets, you know, all that kind of thing. So the human design new year beginning in the gate 41 is always sort of the harbinger of what is it that you can imagine for yourself for the year or just for your life going forward. And then it, I recalled that it's also, even though it's a new year and we think of new years as new beginnings and get ready to rumble kind of thing, get, let's commit, get moving. There's a two-week lag between the human design new year and when the energies actually begin moving forward, and that's on February 2nd. So what we have is this time period um, that you know we might call the dream time, and it indicates that even though these go signs <laughs> are popping up, 
that there's still a lagging moment that we have maybe a breather even for imagination and for dreaming about what it is that we want for um, manifesting. It's very synchronistic with the Pleiadian earth energy also, because on the 22nd, not only do we have all these new years, but the 22nd and Pleiadian earth energy is a nine universal energy, which is harmony, which we can imagine and bring in. And the earth energy of the day is planting, which is exactly what you're talking about. Planting Planting the seeds. <laughs> waiting for them to grow. And all of that is under the evolutionary guidance, overlighting energy of intuition. So if we're using our intuition and we're planting new seeds for harmony on all of these new auspicious dates, we're going to create something better. I know that that's the excitement. I think we're all feeling mm-hmm. is that under the surface, there is, you know, the, this possibility of things that can happen and the possibility of moving forward when we've felt stalled maybe for quite the time, but yet it's not exactly yet the right time to take action. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that really called my attention to that, besides the aha, oh yeah, the human design new year begins, but there's the lag, this two weeks period of time, is that with the new moon uh, tomorrow, or yeah, tomorrow, uh, lost in time, today's Friday, tomorrow, um, Uranus, the, the, the ruling planet, the modern ruling planet of Aquarius is still in retrograde motion. So even though it's a grand new beginning based on the sun-moon relationship, the the ruler of the roost is still sitting there and still in stalled formation until the very next day. So the whole new moon period, which is, you know, new moon to the next new moon, is still going to be a little slower, I think, than people might anticipate. That it really gives us the opportunity to plan, to envision, to uh, prepare to plant the seeds. I love that. The whole idea of planting the seeds is a big thing anyway, because Jupiter, uh, the planet of growth and expansion, is in Aries, the very first sign of the zodiac. And the six months, well, until May now, it's only five more months, that he's in the sign of Aries is a time for all of us to plant the seeds. So we're not yet ready to race on ahead. Yeah. And that also corresponds with with the ancient understanding that wintertime is a time not to begin anything new, particularly, but dream, prepare, cultivate what is going to come in the spring. So actually what the two of you have been talking about is perfect timing with the winter season to give us that that gestation period to to make the dreams, use our imagination, as Pia said, use our intuition, but we have to wait until the time is right to actually pull all of these things into fruition. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that's frustrating for some people, right? Because you're telling me now I have to wait more time before I can do (laughs) what I wanna do. But I think it's a time of choosing, right? Choosing. Mm Right. We get to choose. How are we going to be in this moment? Um, you know, we can choose to ignore the, that, you know, the wisdom of preparing and moving ahead slowly, or we can just jump out there uh, and see what happens, but also find ourselves maybe, you know, having to backtrack and go back. Uh, and who wants to do that? Right. Who wants to do that? 
Yeah, looking looking in hindsight, which is often a pretty good thing to do, rushing ahead generally doesn't help us achieve what we're really trying to create because it puts us a step ahead of where we can actually be. And it it, it usually ruins the plan or the design or or the, the dream itself to push it when it's not ready. It's just we can't we can't make these incredible choices turn into reality if we rush the energy of trying to make it happen faster than it really can come true. Yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting when we look at the human design aspect of all of this, that the new year begins at a gate that's highly creative. It's evocative of the, you know, what we can dream, we can achieve. That That's what I always think about with the 41. But then the, the next gate that the sun moves into is the gate 19. And it's a, a gate that's also on the root center. So it still has an impulse to act, but it's about reading the signs for the future. It's about looking through the looking glass, if you will, and sort of taking a gander at what's possible, right? So I have this dream, I have these ideas, I have this imagination, but which way is the wind blowing, right? That's the next week that comes up in this time period where we're still waiting before we take action. And then the next gate after that becomes the gate of creating the new narrative. That'll be a gate on the throat center that then, uh, I mean, on the uh, identity center, the, the center for love and direction that's moving toward the throat and brings us or leads us in the right direction from the imagination and what we're reading in the, the tea leaves, so to speak. And then how are we gonna frame the story going forward for the year? So it's not like nothing is happening and it's not like there isn't action. It's just action that's a little more, uh, a little more introverted than extroverted, if you will. Yeah. This, this adds in again to what's happening with the Pleiadian Earth energies, because in that waiting period, you're talking about moving into the next gate, we step into feeling energy, which is yeah. about paying attention to what we're feeling as we're doing whatever we're doing with our imagination, our thoughts, trying to manifest with good high vibrational thoughts. And then the next gateway that you mentioned after that is aligned with breathing earth energy, where we breathe life and all the things that we felt and envisioned. Oh, see, don't you just love it? The coherence between. It's, it's, it's fantastic. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to, to talk about this because what we're all talking about here is we're writing the script for a play, but the play is not going to come to fruition. The play is not going to actually be out in the the public or out in the theater until we're finished writing the play. And I think I think trying to rush that process will make for a not very good play. <laughs> Or a half done play, right? It's like, oh, well, where's the ending? Or, you know, where's the where's the action point taking us? We're just running yeah. around in circles. And yeah, yeah that's certainly uh, a problem potentially in this period of time. Um, but it isn't the only, I mean, it's like there's more signs that tell us this is also a slower start, right? We're not, 
the racehorse is jumping out of the gate. It's more like turning on the faucet and the faucet, you know, slowly getting to the warm and then to the hot water where it moves, you know, uh, because Mars and Mercury at the new moon tomorrow are in what we call an inconjunct. Now, both planets are freshly direct, right? They've just on January 12th, Mars turned direct. And on the 18th, Mercury turned direct. So, you know, for us, especially Gemini's that have been sort of kind of caught behind a fence for the, the last couple of months. Uh, if we really, I can feel that chomping at the bit kind of feeling. And then I get frustrated right now when I don't know which direction to go. And I'm thinking all week long, oh, that new moon is really going to be helpful. And then I realize, oh no, there's an inconjunct between Mars and Mercury on the new moon. And what that does is it's sort of, we have to watch for impulsive action because it's because because both of them are now direct, we want to go. We are raring to go. But both planets newly direct mean that they're they're not really they're not really having moved much in their uh, th from their station direct, and that we have a tendency then to be more impulsive at this moment in time uh, because we're kind of rushing toward what we want to do or rushed thinking might be even something that we're, you know, oh, oh my gosh, I got to get this out and I got to do this and I got to do that. So then, like you say, it's like trying to perform the play before it's been written. Uh, it doesn't work well. So we have to wait for the epiphany moment. We have to wait for the revelation. We have to wait for the dream to uh, show itself to us, right? And then to take action on that because that rushed thinking or rushed action nine times out of 10 blows up in our faces and we find ourselves then backtracking gotta go back gotta do something else gotta redo so we want to watch for that as well so we have three big things that are kind of telling us that yay though it's a new moon uh which is typically this you know move forward thing that there are things that are kind of causing us to hold back a bit to still the action if you will yeah so let's say good morning to people, shall we? We have Tom out there. Good morning. He says, happy Lunar New Year, AstroFam. Nico, hello to you. He says, happy Friday from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, I appreciate you and all the info. Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel says, it's huge sun flares also. I did notice there was a big giant sun spot that was coming toward facing, you know, Earth directly, but I haven't heard of any flares out of there yet. Uh, Christine Buckingham, good morning to you. Tom says, all these transit changes this week may explain why I had what I call a wake sleep last night. <laughs> I didn't sleep at all night, tossing and turning. He, he's breaking out into song for us, right? I could just hear him singing. Uh, Amy D, good morning to you. Tal Alfek, good morning. Good to see you. Terry, good morning. Good to have you with us this fine day. Here, you guys, it's beautiful. And uh, from where I sit, Kind of at a weird angle to the mainland i can see mount rainier right out my window now that's got to be 100 miles away but he's so big and it's so clear that i can see him beautifully sitting right that way right i could just see him right there you are hello i love it when that happens here right it just tells you how clear the air is how fresh the air is uh but also just to be able to connect to natural beauty kind of has a grounding effect on us all right, so 
let's talk about what Aquarius means, shall we? <laughs> we've, we've talked about kind of the bigger pieces of all of that uh, is happening, but what does it mean to have the sun moving into Aquarius? And we have the moon, the new moon in Aquarius, soon to have Pluto dip, tipping his toe into uh, Aquarius. So the more that we become familiar with Aquarian energy, I think the more able we are to embody it, to embody the highest and best that it represents for us. So we have, by the way, the new moon tomorrow is at 1030 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, or no, that's when the moon moves into Aquarius. It breaks its uh, wandering time with Capricorn. And then that sets us up for the new moon at 3.54 a.m. p.m. Oh my goodness, uh, in the East Coast and 12.54 p.m. for those of us on the West Coast. So we have an afternoon new moon, which is an evening new moon, I would suspect for you guys. And it is a time then where rather than coming from the more traditional aspects like Capricorn energy would have had us thinking about, now we're up for what's unique, what's different, uh, what's eccentric even. And it becomes a time for us to literally tap into our brilliance or our own personal genius. I love to tell people this, that everybody has genius in their human design, uh, in their just in their makeup, right? We all carry the gate that we think of as the gate of genius. It might be defined differently for everyone uh, based on a planet sitting there and what planet that might be or if it's defined at all, but we all carry it nonetheless. So we all have the uh, ability to tap into that, that unique part of ourselves that we're here to share with the world. And Aquarian time is a fantastic time to really bring that out right? To really live out that genius. But it can also be a time for change. And here's where we've just been talking about a little bit of that quirkiness of uh, the times that we're in. We have all of these go signs building up, but yet still some things that are cautioning us to take our time to consider what we want to do to, you know, literally the dream time is about tapping into your brilliance. What am I better at than no, than anybody else? right? What can I do that is unique and to draw more and more of that into play at this moment in time? Um, so I say it's time for change, but planned change, right? Not just willy-nilly throw yourself out there and see what happens, right? Not doing the cannonball in the pool and just seeing who can I hit with all the water as I dive in, right? It's more the executed dive, right? I have this place that I'm aiming for in the pool. And if you execute a dive properly, there's hardly a splash, right? There's hardly the, the back splash, if you will, from doing it. So it's being executed with purpose, with planning, with intention. So don't just say, oh yeah, today I think I might want to do that and go splash it out there unless you've actually done the work to plan what it is that you want to be doing. And this is an Aquarian theme, by the way. This isn't just like today uh, or while the moon is here or while the sun is here, even though that's appropriate, but this is the sign of our times as well that we're you know, ever verging into this age of Aquarius. Um, our friendships, I noticed this also for some of my clients that I've been working with this week, that there's a lot around the theme of connection and creating friendships, 
creating a network of how it is that of people that could be supportive, that are supportive of your vision or of you, and that there's this mutual um, respect that's going on. Have you guys seen that in the Pleiadian calendar too? We see more people who are paying attention, waking up to these possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah, because the because I would imagine that with the Pleiadian calendar, because it's this circuit of evolution, right, that we're seeing, that we're the spiraling, yeah, that a theme like Aquarian energy is taking shape in the calendar as well. What it does, Janet, is it brings people, we're here to explore a particular earth energy. That's our makeup. We bring in the universal energy and we're here to explore a particular earth energy. And the earth energy we're here to explore has a lower and a higher vibration. And mm. what the Aquarian energy is doing in this spiral is bringing people more towards the higher vibration and having them look at the lower vibration and go, I don't want to be or do that anymore. That's what we see happening in relationship to this. Which, which completely intensifies relationship. And, and it, it can be the kind of intensity where people really don't want to be spending time with people that they're they're used to spending time with or oppositely they really want to spend time with certain people that have certain energies they bring to us so it's 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 like uh moving towards energies that we enjoy and moving away from energies that aren't comfortable mm -hmm. mm, yeah that that's so aquarian right there's also this theme that I see, uh, and it's very Aquarian, and that is sort of grassroots um, movements that happen mm -hmm. where people of like mind come together for a purpose and for connection. Now, it's not it, it's not that it's always negative, like some of the things that, you know, have come together have been not so good. But also when we come together with these purposes of, you know, changing a social structure, let's say, or um, supporting somebody uh, and that's in need, that it could be such a powerful presentation of our very humanity. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a big theme. You know, we talked behind the scenes this morning about artificial intelligence and how that is beyond belief, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, chat boxes and chat whatever, chat bots, not boxes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that are literally creating our reality for us, right? That that it's like crazy that when you really think about how all of this is happening, um, but it's juxtaposed against the human factor. And if we, the more AI we get into, we start to lose the human factor we give it over to a more virtual status rather than real. So kind of the saving grace, and I'm not the only astrologer to have put this idea forward either. I've heard it from other astrologers. I've heard it from other um, teachers uh, that aren't astrologically uh, engaged, uh, is that we need to come together as people, as humans, mm -hmm. and really plan for who it is that we want to be instead of, I mean, it's great to have the technology. Don't get me wrong. I love playing in technology as much as the next person. But if we keep doing that without having values in place that really anchor us as the human content first, the human being first, then it can run away with us. And then we have, you know, movies like The Terminator. 
AI <laughs> gone bad, right? <laughs> um, I robot. Uh, I mean, there's just these movies out there that kind of tell the tale of what happens if we're not, if we don't have our values in place before we start moving on into this very technological age. I we think all, that's. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I think that's extremely important to yeah. to to understand that. We have to create a, a sense of unity consciousness in order to achieve what you're talking about. And when we create a better field of unity consciousness, we are naturally going to be more human, less technical, and more in alignment with nature. And we, we've been moving away from that since the Industrial Revolution. This has been a 300-year process and we need to reverse that um, you know some some people talk about we don't want to become neo luddites but at the same time <laughs> we don't we don't want to simply follow technology blindly and taking us down the wrong road what were you going to say pia what i was going to say is that we also in taking back our values or putting our standing up for our values we have to get back into a position of empowerment because we have given our power over to every authority you can think of, whether it's church, state, medical community. It doesn't matter. We have just said, okay, you take care of us to everybody else. And if we want to create what we want to see in the world, we have to also realize that applies to AI. Can't just expect AI to do it for us. We have to take back our power and make any technology we use ours that we control it, that we are the ones in charge of it, that we are the ones who push the on and off switch. Yeah, the, the basic- Otherwise they'll push the on and off switch on us. The, the, basic, the basic thing that I know is that AI has no heart. Right. And if, we, if we're not coming from our hearts, if we're not designing the world we want through our, the wisdom of our hearts, we're, we're not gonna be creating what we really truly need and want. So I yeah. think- I think the scariest thing that people have to understand about AI is the missing heart element. Yeah, there's a sort of cold or aloofness, right? That calculating, mm -hmm. right? It's it, It's been programmed by a human, but not with that human emotion and with that human. Uh, there's plenty of Star Trek um, episodes where data who wants to be human so much because he's an a, he's an artificial life form and he wants to be human so badly. And so they design a human uh, emotion chip and they, they give him this emotion and it goes haywire, like totally goes haywire, right? So it kind of tells us like, can you really put human emotions into something as uh, mechanical or as heartless not meaning that you know they're negative, but as a, as an AI or as a, a robot or something like that, without some craziness, right? Because you know, think about our human selves as we grow into emotional energy, right? We create we create all kinds of chaos. Just ask Natasha out there; she's a teacher. She was around a bunch of kids who are always displaying, you know, the that agitation that that not able yet to control emotional energy in the way that uh, adults presumably can. I say presumably because we could have a long discussion about that too. Um, 
So you, so the whole idea of having values and really living by values, but here's another thing that we have to think about is that we're not robots as humans. And there are as many varieties of opinions and values out there as there are people. So the, the other missing piece is about how do we all come together and play in the same sandbox valuing each other as individuals, but also as the group. And that's the whole thing across Aquarius and Leo, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Leo is the opposite sign to Aquarius. So we have the entire axis. Um, even if the new moon is in Aquarius, we could still see, see this uh, wanting to achieve individuality, perhaps, or self-expression mm -hmm. that Leo holds. And, uh, and how do I merge that? Merging, that's a good one into the the whole right bringing adding my brilliance my genius to the genius of the group but then the group has to also value the genius of everybody within it absolutely and that and that brings up the little word called judgment <laughs> we have to we have to let go of judgment in order to create what you're talking about because Duality is a reality on this planet. And what we have to do is bring the differences between us and duality into a discussion where we don't just use our opinions and our beliefs to say, I'm right and you're wrong. We, we have to create a space where we can all discuss what we want and what we need without judging I don't like your idea or I don't like what you're proposing. We have to take it in and maybe feel it, think it, and then realize that we don't have all the answers. We have to combine everybody's ideas, everybody's theories, and that will simply make a much better whole. Yeah, I think too, it's an opportunity for each of us to become bigger containers right? yes. to, to be able to hold more than what just what we think or just what we want or just where we're headed that in order to be a, a powerful uh group or uh organization or nation we have to be able to come together around common core ideals uh or common core beliefs and values and that's very difficult Right. When you have people who are pushing, you know, to the edge of of um, what they want without thinking about the impact that it has on the whole. So, I mean, yes, we have to become bigger containers, but we also have to learn the art of compromise and cooperation and realize we're co-creators and that not everybody's always going to get everything that they want when we're working in a group. But as we move forward in time the difficulties of the next few years, this year is kind of a pause between, you know, some very difficult energies. Um, it's a pause, but not really a pause. <laughs> it's just not as, it's the, a little more optimistic this year than it might be in the subsequent years as we go forward. The only way that we make it through those times is when we come together, when we use our bonds as ways to um, keep ourselves anchored and to keep ourselves, you know, um, in a, a network of support 
So that's going to be an important thing. It's part of the Aquarian age. This will be something, it's part of the air age. I did a show last, I think it was last Friday, where we talked about the age of air. And that started on December 21st of 2020 with Jupiter and Saturn's conjunction at zero degrees, Aquarius, and set the tone for the next 200 years of air being the um, social and cultural uh, uh, element that we're working with. Air is information. Air is artificial intelligence. Air is technology. And it's not containerable, right? You can't, air defies trying to be made into a container. So you could see there's a big balancing act that we're going to have to move through. Not an easy one. I don't think it will be easy. I think it's going to strain our um, ability to keep into our humanness. And that's exactly the, the antidote is to also lean into our humanness, our humanity, or our humaneness. Uh, so anyway, friendships, associations, going back to what Aquarius is all about, uh, supportive people, the people that are in your corner or that resonate, that you resonate with. And that doesn't make you separate from other groups of people and their networks and their supports, right? Somehow we've got to also learn to bring different networks together. Uh, so we're working together for a purpose, right? What might think about anytime there's been a catastrophe, right? People come together from different walks of life and they work with the purpose of reestablishing the town or, you know, helping people clean up or finding people a shelter, food, etc. right? We're so good at that in a catastrophe, but why aren't we good at that in every day? And that is going to be the challenge as we go on to take those very human, wonderful characteristics and apply them in everyday reality, not virtual reality, everyday reality, right? So then there's, of course, innovation and technology and invention and breakthroughs and the future orientation that that we can't help either. That's just a part of Aquarian energy. And that future orientation isn't necessarily a bad thing because I think all of us are, are very aware on the planet right now of the state of the planet and how we're leaving that to our children and our grandchildren and their children. So that future orientation takes over and helps us to see, okay, so, you know, are the things that we're doing today sustainable? Are they preser preserving, you know, the planet, uh, our way of life for our uh, progeny, right? For our children's children's children. So there's all of that in there, that whole idea of looking ahead and calculating in some ways whether what we're doing is sustainable. Is it going to be able to stand the test of time? We saw in Capricorn what happened when Pluto was in Capricorn, what wasn't sustainable started cracking and breaking and falling apart. And that now is in a, a process of repair uh, are we repairing the holes by putting band-aids on them or are we actually, you know, breaking it down and rebuilding, right? Reestablishing in a, in a new powerful way. You know, I think when, um, when Pluto moved into Capricorn, we were in the midst of the whole mortgage crisis, banking crisis, recession happened after, right after that corporations crashing and burning and 
then the pandemic and all, all of the weaknesses in the systems that we built were, were shown. Well, I think what happens in Aquarius is we start to find out, did we do anything new? <laughs> or did we just, um, you know, put some spatter, spackle in there and, you know, prettify it. And if we did that, we're going to see the same destruction again, maybe even worse right? Because we didn't do what we needed to do, which was to really take that future orientation and look at the bottom line of what's wrong with the economy, what's wrong with capitalism, what's wrong with, you name it, whatever the big system or, or what's wrong with the medical world, what's wrong with governments, et cetera. And take that and look at that from a different point of view and really truly fix it, rework it, find new solutions, right? Those are all Aquarian things, new solutions. Uh, then detachment versus attachment. So working for the common good, of course, means that we're coming together as a group, but it also implies connection and it also implies it's the human connection, but it also implies that we can get very attached to how we attached to certain people, attached to our beliefs, and Aquarius energy almost demands to step back, be more objective. So we have to become more objective about people, about the world, about where what our part is in it, how we're impacting the world. And that's a difficult thing because as humans, we like to be attached. We're really attached <laughs> to things, to people, to ideas, to ideals gosh, right? Trying to untie us from that is going to be monumental, a monumental task. It can't be done to us. We have to do it ourselves. We have to be willing to step back and be objective, look at everything and how it all impacts uh, the bigger situation. So what are the things we have to look out for with Aquarian energy? Well, we've discussed some of them already, but the head in the clouds, right? I'm all up here and I'm just thinking AI is so wonderful, right? I'm in my virtual world and my house is on fire around me and I, I just escape into my virtual world. That is a negative aspect of the Aquarian age. It's the pie in the sky, right? I can't, I, I have these great ideas, these great, you know, things, but I can't bring them in. I can't, I can't ground them. You know, I'm just airy, air. Aquarius is air. Lots of people think it's water. It is not water. It is air, air energy. And what Aquarian energy does is bring in interference patterns. The symbol is these waves. And that's why I think sometimes people think it's a water sign. They're seeing the waves, plus it's the water bearer. And he's, you know, often seen or she pouring water out of a vessel. But Aquarius energy brings in interference. It changes up the dynamic because it's changing up where we've been stuck right? Where things have become too rigid. So another issue, a uh, thing to watch out for is rigidness. Where are you stuck in rigid opinions? Um, where are you not willing to give a little, to get a little, like, you know, the whole compromise thing, being stubborn, stuck, right? I'm, it's my way or the highway kind of energy. And also, Sometimes that Aquarian energy can become so detached or so aloof that it then becomes unrelatable, right? You can't relate to a person. 
I think we have all met people. Uh, we used to call them nerds in school or, you know, the outsiders that somehow we just didn't relate to them or they didn't relate to us. So we have to watch for that because then that has a tendency for us to separate people out, right, to marginalize. And this is an inclusive sign, not a marginalizing sign. So if we're marginalizing, we're in the shadow of that energy. If we're pushing away people, if we're not including people. So it'll be an interesting Aquarian time period that we're in to be sure. Shall I say more? <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> oh, let's look at the comments. Let's see who's joining us here this morning too. Uh, Natasha, uh, good morning. She said, I, I am glad I have the tools uh, yet witnessed many who do not have the tools yet. Uh, talking about the younger ones. Uh, Natasha says, I also, I, I want to move away from disharmony, yet agitation is going to leave us without teachers, police, and like, we need to get values again, right? Having those values. Tom says, spot on, Colin. Unity consciousness is not same as AI cloud and some, I don't know what he means by WEF, nefarious digital ID global state power to us people right on. <laughs> I don't know what about the World Economic Forum, Janet. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Klaus Schwab's his little project. Yeah. Oh, That's gosh. I'll have to look that up. Uh, AI is heartless and soulless, Tom goes on to say. The character data is a redo of Pinocchio. And interesting <laughs> because there's been two versions of Pinocchio out just in the last month uh, mm -hmm. on Disney and Netflix, I think, has another one. Uh, JLo, good morning to you. Linny, good morning to you. Just pointing, uh, just joining uh, us at this moment and happy to be here live with us. JLo was a little late as I became a grandma again late last night to a beautiful little girl. Congratulations and welcome to the new little soul on our planet. Tom says a must see film on Netflix is Big Bug. One word, Big Bug. All about mm -hmm. AI. It's funny and very well done. It's excellent in my humble opinion, same director as Amelie, and uh, Tom, congratulating you, J-Lo, on being a granny again. Yeah, so you got to tell us her name and her deets, J-Lo. How big was she? That's We always want to know how big was that baby, and what's her name, and blessings to her as well. Uh, okay, so I have another little tidbit that I want to share with people today, and that is, you know, we've talked about the big changes going on. The bigger picture we've you know we also talked about the new moon and uh some of the stop signs that are still there with us but we also have the two big uh social planets jupiter and saturn changing gates in human design today and when they change gates they change like theme a little bit right the their jupiter still in aries right so we have all of the aries themes but this is just a little category of an aries theme and it's about opinions, <laughs> funny enough, right? We were just talking about Aquarius and rigidness uh, about beliefs and opinions and I'm right, you're wrong uh, kind of thing. But uh, in the gate 17, there's a real, 17 is, is on the Ajna. So it's the second center down in your human design. And it's the Ajna that is what we think of as the mind, right? It holds all of the thinking capacity, the memory recall, data recall, all of that. 
plus the ability to analyze and then compare and contrast. So the Ajna gate 17 is part of the logical circuit. So now we have this Jupiter planting energy in a very scientific, uh, science-oriented gate. And it's one where what we have to realize, and somebody said this the other day, and I was like, I was going to write it down, um, is that there's, you know, science is always full of hypotheses, but they are not truths until they're proven to be true. So that is kind of this energy that we have going on in our heads at the moment is the the need to be able to be forward looking to have an opinion right because we have to have that's who we are we have to have opinions but to recognize that they're only opinions right that somebody else who might have a different opinion is not wrong they're just different janet i could get on my soapbox here because one thing i think people (laughs) fail to realize is the most essential thing about our evolutionary process is change all life changes. Everything is about change. And to have a scientific method in place that everybody holds as the gold standard, that will not hold on to anything as being real until it has been proven to be true, eliminates the very aspect of change because by the time they accept it as, okay, we've proven this, everything's changed and it's no longer applicable. <laughs> and that sort of leaves out spirit, which is not provable, right? Yes. So it's a slippery slope. But the point here is that I think when we're looking at it it overall as Aries energy, that Jupiter's placement here says, you know, let's try things. And if it doesn't work, let's change that. Let's not hold to our opinion so much that we try to fit the reality to what our opinion is instead of just open to the real truth, right? Holding out for real truth. Um, But it's a part of the logical sequence which is kind of disturbing because, you know, that's how we've been trained, right? We've been inordinately trained to ignore our intuition, to ignore knowingness in favor of logic, but it's only one way of knowing in at least through human design. But Jupiter's gonna be bringing us those presents. Um, The present in the gene keys at that gate is omniscience, seeing things from such a bigger picture, right? That things change in, it's kaleidoscopic rather than uh, narrow-minded. It'll be fascinating. And then Saturn today also changing up a gate to the gate 30, which is an emotional center gate, the solar plexus. It is called the gate of passion. So putting a very stern character like Saturn at the gate 30 is almost like a joke, cosmic joke on Saturn. Um, the gate 30 is what we call a red flag gate in human design because it has such energy to it. And the energy to it is like very, you know, passionate and it's, it's, gets very frustrated and angry, uh, quickly when what it wants isn't able to be gotten, right? So if you have this desire to be something or to do something or to have something, and, you know, it seems like the universe is thwarting you at every turn, then the the recoil is angry and or frustration or uh, tears even, right, in uh, a way because it's the emotional center. So Saturn here, interestingly enough, being the teacher, uh, is telling us, you know, plan for your passion. Take your passion out to the world one step at a time 
right? Do the do the foundation building first. So they're working Saturn working in tandem to help us build the container that will house our passion and be able to then bring it to the world. And it's interesting too because um, when I looked at what gates Mars and Mercury are in, and so for those of you who joined us a little late earlier, I talked about the new moon chart. The biggest aspect other than the new moon is this Mars in a quincunx or in conjunct to Mercury. And both of them, both of them are sitting at gates that are, one is called the gate of enthusiasm, Mars, enthusiasm, Mercury, joyful expression, bliss. So, and now you take Saturn and you put it at the gate of passion. So you can see the energy is really pushing us into living life on our terms, doing what we want, but it's not yet completely the time to take action on that in the outer world. It's more like, okay, what do I have to put in place in order to house that for myself? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So you, you you can almost feel that friction that's going on between our wanting to express and do and the holding back a bit because there's still the little drag uh, on the the energies at the moment. For good purpose. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Have a vision. Know where you're going. Don't. At, what do you guys know anything about the Chinese New Year? The year now changing to the rabbit. I know it's a water rabbit, and I know that's considered to be extremely auspicious. And the the thing about water that Larkma has taught us, and that I know from working with the Divine Feminine, is water is all about. If obstacles come, you flow around them, over them, through them, you dissolve them, but they're never stuck solid problems. And being in a year that's bringing a lot of water influence, I think is a year that's showing us that all these Aquarian energies about change give us opportunities to look at every single challenge we have in a new way and figure Mm -hmm. out things around it, over it, through it, how to dissolve it. All of those things are possible. And the rabbit's considered very lucky. So I think lucky and water together in the Chinese New Year is really a lot. Flow. Yes. I looked up some of the words for rabbit and I saw prosperity. I saw Mm -hmm. hope, calm, self-reflection. It's a symbol for peace, which I would never have thought of the rabbit as a symbol of peace, but there it was. Uh, A need for introspection. Thought, contemplation before action. Um, you know, we have the the fable of the hare and the tortoise, right? And what does the hare do? He jumps out ahead. And maybe, you know, the tortoise wins the race because slow and steady wins the race kind of thing, right? But the years I looked at that were the last rabbit years was 2011 and 1999. I don't know their element. I forgot to check what that element might have been, whether it was water rabbit, I don't know. But 2011, right after that Chinese New Year, was the huge earthquake in Japan. Shima. Yeah. And all of the fallout from that. And that was also at a time when Jupiter was in Aries. So interesting, like that brought about huge changes uh, or should have brought about. It's hard to say. Did we rethink the idea of, you know, nuclear power, nuclear fission rather than fusion. Um, a symbol for peace. I don't know about that one either. 
Well, Janet, I know that your list matches the list that I wrote down. Things that I found when I was looking at it are peace, calm, healing, intuition, Uh kindness, strong feelings of empathy. So all those are very related. And empathy and intuition go right along with the Pleiadian Earth energy of we're in the intuiting period. They go right along with the gate that you're talking about, that we are in the place of waiting to see. We're planting seeds to what's going to come, but we've got to turn inward to see what we want to create, what we want to manifest. Yeah, because remember, the rabbit is also very fearful. Right. Mm, Can be. They can also be pretty fierce fighters. They can what? They can be very fierce fighters. If you get two rabbits together, they can actually fight. If there's something that's really they need to fight about, they will do it. So generally, they're very, very peaceful, but they yeah. will fight for something that's important in their yeah. loving, what do you call a group of rabbits? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, they they are, they respond to fear very quickly, right? Yes, they I, do. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to watch that behavior as well, I would think, for okay. ourselves. is not to go hiding, you know, from fear, be able to face your fear. But yep. certainly if an eagle's coming down to eat you, don't sit there and wait for the eagle to eat you. Do something, right? So <laughs> managing that that uh, inner energy of ours. Uh, so here we have a rabbit year. Uh, I always think, you know, lucky rabbits, right? Lucky, the rabbit's foot is seen a symbol of luck. So I wouldn't have been too lucky for the rabbit, Janet, I have to say. <laughs> no, I'm talking about it as a symbol, not the actual foot. But I don't have a rabbit's foot. But we think of rabbit's feet as being... Uh, lucky, maybe because they are fleet of foot. And when they are triggered for fear, they run, they, they, they scatter. Uh, Who knows? I don't know. Uh, But that is, that brings us almost to the end of the show. But I thought what we would do is pull some cards, but I'm going to have to duck out for a second because I forgot to bring them closer to me. Um, But I thought we'd pull a Pleiadian card and an animal card for uh, the collective for the next uh, few days here. So I have my Pleiadian wisdom. I should have asked you if you had yours handy. You could draw no. the card for us. No, no, and, no, no, I would have. Well, we it, when we get together, we always have everything right up to the last second, right? So um, I didn't even think about cards, except I know everybody always likes cards. So I think we'll draw an animal card from the Colette Baron Reed uh, deck, but we'll also pull a Pleiadian card from your deck and see what wisdom that we have coming to us from our friends in the Pleiades, which by the way, our sky last night here, ooh, this jumped out. It was so beautiful. I couldn't help myself. I had to stand outside even in the cold (laughs) to look at the sky. Uh, We got healing, change, card number five. This is the one, right? It's a beautiful card, beautiful colors. And down at the bottom here, it says, remember, the only constant in the universe is change. You are always changing. <laughs> that that is that is amazing. <laughs> that is absolutely what we've just been talking about for the I past minutes. This always happens when we pull cards after a show, right? I see this all the time. But I'm going to actually read the card, too, because I'm sure there's more to it than just what that's on that card. Uh, 
Okay, it says, remember, the only constant in the universe is change. You are always changing. The choices that you make moment by moment are enabling you to accelerate in your evolution, giving you opportunities to heal beyond what you have previously believed possible. As you heal at deeper and deeper levels, you may forget what illness felt like because it will no longer exist within you. I love that. Release all old emotions of fear, grief, anger, frustration, greed, or jealousy to make room for your natural state of joy. Let go of old beliefs. Open your heart to all the healing that is possible for you. As you change in positive ways, you begin to heal. And then, of course, there's the universal energy five, which is change. Uh, all healing requires change in attitudes, choices, dysfunctional beliefs, and behaviors. Beautiful right along what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> As always, right? Now let's see what kind of an animal. This is a, a de deck by Colette Baron-Reed uh, called Spirit Animal Oracle. And these cards are really beautiful as well. But that one jumped, the one from your deck jumped out <laughs> as I started to uh, do the shuffle. Maybe Lord, my shoved it at you, Janet. She might have. And then she shoved beaver spirit at me. Beaver spirit says, lay a solid foundation. And <laughs> when we were talking, when you were just talking about the flow, the idea of flow and going above or over, under, around, that always makes me think of the number six. And this card is number six. Wow. Beaver spirit, lay a solid foundation. All right. She's a pretty little girl. Let's see what that card says. Uh, for us. All right. Beaver spirit is here to tell you about a power living within you that is born of spirit, the source from which all life arises. This is the power to establish the sacred connection with the universal consciousness so you can deliberately co-create the world you desire. <laughs> it's like this card has all the key words that we talked about today. Uh, know that it takes work, determination, and sustained effort to co-create and lay a solid foundation for your dreams. If with spirit as your partner, you bring the twigs and branches of your intentions and desires and spread them across the river of time, you'll be amazed at what you can do. You will find that you can ever change, even change the direction of the flow of life. You can ensure that your world will be prosperous and purposeful, filled with love and joy and rich with magic and meaning. That which you desire will come to you and remain sustainably if you build on a sturdy foundation. Keep your intention and energy consistent and deliberate using all your resources and the energy of this wonderful, productive time. Have faith for with spirit to co-create with you, your success is assured. Spirit is your partner, helping you along as you change the course of your life in the way your heart desires. <laughs> The combination found foundation and heart right right there beaver 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 so wow that is it for us this morning we've talked about a lot thank you guys for hanging with me while we um, went through astrology and human design and well we've been all across the universe here today uh, i want to remind everybody listening that today is astro meetup day and at noon you can follow the zoom link that i've already posted on facebook and join me to get your personal questions about your charts answered for you. So that might be astrology, human design, gene keys, 
Tom even asked if he could bring up sidereal astrology, and I said yes. <laughs> so be prepared. We might be taking a dive into a different form of astrology today as well. Uh, thank you, Pia and Colin, for being here. It's always delightful to have you with us. And I will see you all on Monday morning. Bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye.